0: need
1: a few minutes to reset great minds is a podcast from sbs that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world listen wherever you get your podcasts
2: you're listening to sbs news
1: we often hear about new policies and programs that promise to improve the lives of australians but what about the issues that are too stigmatized and seem to be too taboo for policymakers to address? I'm Brooke Young, and this is the Too Hard Basket. In this episode, we dive into the topic of gaming disorders. As a relatively new area of research, there's not a whole lot known about this form of addiction. But with technology now such a central component of our lives, we're looking into what issues Australians face when it comes to a healthy relationship with internet gaming, and what measures need to be put in place to ensure a safe future online.
3: I recall playing Killzone 2 on PlayStation 1 or 2, to the point where I experienced um, severe motion sickness, vertigo, the room spinning and uh, essentially to the point where I was puking into a bucket and it didn't really compute to me that I was playing too much or that it was associated with the game but I was just sort of in this pattern and habit of playing the game that after I puked I just kept on playing.
1: Dr. Hugh Kim Lee has been drawn to internet gaming his entire life, both as personal recreation and in his profession as a clinician. But for years, he didn't recognise that his personal relationship with online gaming could be problematic. When he was training to become a doctor, he came across a young patient addicted to World of Warcraft.
3: For me, the fascinating thing was their mental illness, which they were in hospital for separately, actually reflected their gameplay and so that really gave me the motivation to become a psychiatrist and I've been following this problem ever since. You know, went overseas to work in gaming addiction clinics in Asia, but never in my life did I really think, okay, I would ever get this problem myself.
1: And yet Dr Lee found himself in that exact position.
3: Around about 2017, um, I'd been playing Pokemon Go for at least a year and I realised, hey, hang on a sec, I probably couldn't stop playing this game if I wanted to. And I put myself on a detox, you know, went on the um, support forums, committed myself to a 90-day detox, and I failed in the first week. It's just that addictive.
1: Research into the realm of gaming disorders is still relatively new, with the World Health Organisation only officially classifying it in 2020. It's characterised by impaired control over gaming having gaming take precedence over other interests and daily activities, and the continuation or escalation of gaming despite negative consequences. For diagnosis, this behaviour pattern must harm other important areas of one's life, like family, education or work, for at least 12 months. Dr Vasilios Stavropoulos is a senior lecturer and a research fellow at Victoria University and has received an ASC Fellowship for Gaming Research. He says that relapsing and withdrawal symptoms are also part of the WHO gaming disorder criteria.
0: Then we have relapses. One wants to stop the behaviour or to abstain or to withdraw or to restrict it, uh, but they feel unable to control it and do so. So they, you may see them, they come to your office and they're like, I wish I didn't, I hadn't gamed that much, but I couldn't control it and I found myself playing you know, endlessly. Um, then you have withdrawal symptoms. As with all behavioural addictions, or most behavioural addictions, to be accurate, uh, with gaming disorder, these tend to be uh, mostly behavioural in nature, which are which is irritability and frustration when one is not online, um, inability to concentrate, um, stuff like that.
1: Doctor Lee can relate, saying he would find himself playing for hours when he had promised he would only briefly log on.
3: I was getting into this flow um, state, which is what psychologists describe as the optimal human experience is when time just goes by really fast and you lose all sense of time and space and all you can think about is what's happening in the game and um, the level of the challenge in the game is matched by your skill. So games are very good at getting people from being a beginner, getting them through the stages and then getting to the point where they're playing at a high level. And it's a really enjoyable experience. When it becomes to the point of a disorder, it's no longer enjoyable. It becomes a miserable experience.
1: Dr Stavropoulos says this flow state is one of the three qualities of a video game that make it so addictive. The second is what is known as telepresence, where the user has a sense that they are in the world of the game, created through naturalistic animations and high-tech graphics. The third quality, which Dr Stavropoulos believes is the most important, is persona, the player's attachment and relation to their avatar in the game. He says this connection between gamer and persona is made up of four
0: components. Identification, I am who that persona is, immersion, the needs of that persona are experienced as my real life, like I build a virtual life there. And then you have um, repression, that persona can, for some gamers, do things that they wouldn't choose to do in their real lives. It might be more promiscuous, more aggressive, more inappropriate. And the final thing is idealisation. That persona, for some gamers, tends to be their ideal self. And all these things in, um, in an augmented, blended context.
1: With players absorbed by their character, the lines between reality and the virtual world can become blurred. Julie Inman-Grant is the Australian E-Safety Commissioner. She says, like any pastime, there is a point at which gaming can turn from a positive to a negative experience for the player.
4: There are some tremendous benefits. I mean, it's entertaining, it's fun, it's being used in classrooms as a learning tool. But like everything in life, um, there are lots of positives of gaming for young people if it's done in moderation. So everything in, in, in moderation, and I think... That's why prevention and just an understanding of the signs is the best deterrent of potential harms. And um, so it might sound crazy to you, but uh, we know that about 42 percent of Australian two year olds are given access to a digital device by the
1: time. Therefore, it's 94 percent. With technology becoming ever more embedded into daily life, it's little wonder that children are accessing screens from a younger age, both for education and entertainment. Julie says that as a parent, it's important to monitor your child's relationship with technology. So what you might
4: look out for, um, if you think your child might be developing unhealthy online habits, that might be, you know, sneaking onto the gaming console or playing online games late into the evening, having difficulty sleeping, looking really angry or worked up about losing a game, getting very annoyed um, when interrupted by gaming, throwing a tantrum or, or getting very angry
1: um, when access is cut off. Dr Lee admits that having online games on his phone has made it much harder to quit.
3: It's one of the hardest addictions because technology and mobile technology is everywhere around us. So you're those cues, the triggers to get back into that pattern, it's just within your own pocket. So, um, staying away from it and committing to it, and reminding yourself that okay, you've you've made this decision. Let's try and um, do it for your own health and well-being. Yeah, it's it's really quite tricky.
1: The COVID nineteen pandemic had a huge impact on the prevalence of gaming, according to the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association. Aussies spent close to $4 billion on video games in 2021. Julie says that ongoing lockdowns and the switch to remote learning saw more children in front of screens for larger portions of the day. Another effect that we've seen since we've come out of the pandemic and the lockdowns
4: is that parents tended to be more permissive uh, with technology use, probably as a survival mechanism because we had to work and, uh, you know, Take one kid at a time when we were doing the, the remote education. So now we have kids, um, more kids who are younger, who have their own smartphones, who are on gaming and online platforms that they're too young
1: for. Although research is still premature, specialised health clinics for gaming disorders are a growing field. Lindsay Hassock is a clinical psychologist at one such clinic, North Shore Kids Space in Sydney. He says most of his clients are families referring their kids.
2: We're looking at a sort of 1% to 3% meet gaming disorder criteria, um, and that's in, in kids and adolescents. Uh, what that looks like in adults is harder to say. Um, however, we know there's also a, a bigger group that meet threshold for what we would call problematic or hazardous gaming levels. So they're not at the severity of what we would consider for gaming disorder. However, there's still some impact going on for the, that group. And that's that's a much bigger potential group of, say, 6 to even
1: 20%
2: um, of young people.
1: Cultural factors also play a role in the prevalence of gaming addiction. Lindsay says that much of the research on gaming disorders is coming out of Asian countries. And there is a reason for this.
2: What we do know is that the prevalence rates are quite different. Um so, for example, the prevalence, prevalence rates in a lot of Asian countries are much higher um, than they are in some Western countries. Uh, so uh, the, the studies vary a lot, but, you know, in some some Asian countries, it gets up to like, you know, 10, 15, 20%. Um, so that might reflect um, a whole bunch of possible things going on. Um, you know, the, the embracing of, of screens and of technology. Um, we know that in places like Japan, there's a lot of social stuff that as well, you know, there's, um, I don't remember what the group's called, but um, there are like the shut-ins basically that never venture out on um, this kind of cohort of people. So um, I think it can, there can be cultural factors that also um, kind of uh, intersect um, with some of the, the heavy screen use.
1: In 2021, China introduced a new law that said people under the age of 18 were only allowed to play video games between 8 and 9 pm on Fridays, weekends, and public holidays. Though these laws are difficult to police, eSafety Commissioner Julie Inman Grant advises parents in Australia to set limits on their children's game use. At the outset, what we encourage every parent to do is set
4: uh, parental controls, which might include screen time controls, which you know, would automatically either shut off your, your router and your internet or um, disable games on your phone or your device. Um, We also recommend that, um, particularly for younger kids, if they're playing on devices, uh, particularly gaming, that they do it in open areas of the home so you can observe them. Um, And and that might even extend to not wearing headphones when they're playing games, uh, multiplayer games like Fortnite, where they're paired with 99 strangers. Um, And, you know, so you can actually see what they're they're experiencing, but you can also hear the language. Uh, You know, online gaming... um, tends to be very in the moment. Um, it's known for having
1: uh, using bad language and toxic culture. She also notes that one of the main concerns coming out of the growing research is gaming's links to gambling. We don't fully
4: yet understand problematic gaming and how it ties into various other factors and circumstances in a person's life. You know, why does some, some person um, become addicted to gaming and can online uh, gaming disorder lead to... Uh, more addictive or compulsive uh, online gambling, uh, and that is that is also a real fear that when you're um, you know you're losing skins, you're buying skins, you're trading, um, you're trading different um, elements in an online gaming, are are you sort of starting to um, feed or whet that appetite for for online
1: gambling? Dr. Lee says that given Australia's problematic relationship with gambling, this is an area that needs the attention of policymakers. While the federal government did have a Senate inquiry into whether they should ban loot boxes, the gambling mechanism within video games, they voted against it at the time.
3: The Australian definition of gambling, um, winning a virtual item is not the same as winning money at the casino or on a poker machine because you can't trade it in for real-life money to pay your bills. But little kids tell me and show me websites where you can trade virtual items for real life money and so uh that essentially makes any video game under the definition of gambling uh, a little mini casino and so it becomes really tricky from a policy making perspective because we do have some outdated policies back before the invention of iphones
1: Dr. Stavropoulos says policymakers also need to address that society is at the front door of a new era of digital immersion and there needs to be safeguards in place to protect Australians.
0: Now we are entering the metaverse era, which means gamified components, gamified ingredients are entering the social media world. Um, So Facebook is converting into metaverse where each one of us might have an avatar and we will interact in virtual spaces and that's, a game, that, that's gamification. So, some of the attractive ingredients of the games are transferred into other extremely popular applications. Okay. Which means that a higher po- proportion of the population becomes vulnerable. And of course, the more gamification, the more the metaverse era comes in, the more vulnerable we will become.
1: Industry experts like Lindsay from North Shore Kids Space say education and awareness is sorely needed to understand and act on the dangers of gaming addiction.
2: But we need, I think, integrated education around these things in our in in our schools um, from a young age so that it's not just kids getting taught the same way we get taught how, you know, what's a healthy food diet, right? We should get taught what's a healthy screen diet. And then I think it's also about equipping parents with the skill set and the knowledge of how do you actually parent around screens and around gaming because these are concepts that just didn't used to exist.
1: Dr Lee now uses his own experience to help those grappling with gaming addictions as a specialised clinician and keynote speaker.
3: There is support out there. There are hundreds of thousands of people going through what uh, you might be going through at home um, there are Reddit threats threads such as um, um, stop gaming or game quitters that are free support out there. There are more professionals like myself offering telehealth appointments. All you need is a GP referral. Um, our understanding of the, of the problem is growing.
1: He says that sharing his story and raising awareness allows him to help others who may be too afraid to speak up about their unhealthy relationship with gaming.
3: From my lived experience, it does teach us a lesson that you can be the smartest person and have all the training, it can still happen to you. Um, These games are very, very powerful. Um, But you'd like to think that over time as humans we are able to adapt and, and not let these technologies take over and, you know, move towards a more balanced approach and a safer approach.
1: If you or someone you know is affected by a gaming disorder, help is available. The Kids Helpline can be reached on 1800 551 800 or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Brooke Young, SBS News.